What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Carmine Davis, and you are listening to Certified Messy Boy, okay? The Carmine Davis Show. Um, what's happening? Okay, so first of all, let me explain. I don't really like to explain myself a lot. So the fact that I'm doing this for y'all means a lot to me, okay? <laughs> I mean, it means should, be, should mean a lot to y'all, okay? Um, usually, of course, every Thursday, um, I release the show, and... I was having a lot of technical difficulties. I got a interview with um, some um, someone who I was excited to interview with, but they decided to do it the last minute, um, Thursday morning. So I woke up. Y'all know, I, I mean, it was early, like 11 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't really... Like 11 o'clock in the afternoon when they agreed and we were supposed to talk around like 12 or 1 o'clock. I don't re- I, I record the show, the last segment... The hot topic segment is usually what I record first. I mean, last, because you never know. Like, something could have happened on Thursday that was, oh, we got to get, you know, got to get it. So I always wait and use that segment last. So I recorded with this particular person. It was like 20-minute conversation. Um, Wasn't what I wanted and what I needed, but I was thankful for the conversation. I planned on adding it to the show this week, and I couldn't. Because the 15-minute conversation took, like, four or five hours to bounce from MP3 to MP4 or whatever to go into the DAW that I used to edit the show. So I'm like, well, shit, you know, maybe once I go out and get something to eat, I'll come back and it'll be done. It took way too long. It never happened. So I was like, okay, well, fuck it. You know, I'll record it and launch it Friday. But my Instagram, like, y'all were trying to message me talking about it's Thursday, bro. Like... And I I was so flattered. I was sitting there eating. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, people are actually, like, checking for this. Like, and I, God, like, y'all really share a moment with me every week. And I appreciate it so very much and y'all's reviews and um, the love that I've received from y'all. And y'all, like I said, sharing these moments with me. I'd never take that for granted. Um, And even if I have, I won't anymore. (laughs) But anyway... But excuse that spill. This is why this show, I was telling you this is why this show is on a Friday instead of a Thursday. So excuse me. Um, But before we go into it, just in case you're new to the show, uh, make sure you follow, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. Um, I don't do it for my health. Let me know, you know, what's up. Um, Let's dive into it first. It's a lot going on. Okay. So it's just a lot going on. Um. Oh, yeah, by the way, that interview that I recorded, I'm not using it anymore. I probably would use it, for, like, it was 15 minutes. Um, I'll probably use it later on, you know, if I can't really land um, anyone else. But I didn't really like the interview. The interview was definitely um, the anti... It wasn't what... I want the show to be about, if that makes any sense. Like, the particular artist was someone who I admire, but the show, I mean, the interview itself was very um, off-brand for me. I I want to spotlight artists and to talk about um, things um, not particularly messy, but I want to interview, I want to get to know them you know what I'm saying? And this particular interview was kind of very bland and very vanilla. And I don't want to 
have that. I want to be able to talk. Like if you come on the show, um, for whatever reason, even if you're, I, I don't like to do a lot of interviews. I probably do one a year or something like that. Um, I don't even like to have guests on the show like that. Like that's not my thing. Like I like to have my friends on the show because that's the premise of the show is it's not about, um, <laughs> it's not about like following the trend of having a bunch of celebrities to fill up the fact that I don't have a point of view or that I don't have anything interesting to say. The point of this podcast is to share my thoughts and my point of view with the world uninterrupted. And then also my artistic viewpoints and people who ideally want people on the show who, if I was going to celeb- like do a celebrity or an artist interview, I want that particular person to be someone who I admire, someone who I am a fan of. So I would have a fan to artist interaction with them. This person I was a fan of, but the conversation I wanted, I wanted an in-depth conversation to ask them questions about the, the scene or, you know, how they feel, like what's going on, to get their in view, like point of view about any, something. And this particular person wants to give me anything. So I think I might scrap it. Um, or maybe use it months down the line. I don't know. Um, but anyway, let's jump into it. A lot to talk about. Okay, so we all know um, Greg Leakes passed away. Nene Leakes' husband passed away. So shout out to um, the Leakes family over there. I know Nene is over there clowning, honey. Like, I feel like my best friend said they probably can't get that girl off the floor. She loved herself some Greg. And I felt like what's so crazy is, is that um, I felt like Greg was always her, her gate, you know, to, to keep her from really beating a bitch's ass a lot of times. I felt like a lot of things, I'm a big fan of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, um, and a lot of times I felt like one, I think there was a lot of bitches that Nene were just afraid, was afraid of. And then two, I felt like Greg, they really kept each other in check. And I'm kind of wondering like, who's going to keep Nene in check now? Like, and like, I don't know. I'm gonna have to run down to the Lanethia girl and check on my girl. Cause this is not good. Like, bless you to the whole league's family. Um, Greg is seemingly such a sweet man. So that was really, really sad. Um, Lordy. Um, um, okay. So you guys know we have been following, um, the, this R. Kelly trial. Um, R. Kelly's hotel room wedding to Aaliyah featured matching jogging suits, according to minister. Um, this is coming from lovebeescott.com. I'm just going to briefly tell you all this. Cause I, there's something, another hot topic that I want to get to that needs to be told and we need to talk about it. Okay. So more details, but I promised y'all that we would talk about this R Kelly trial every time it, you know, we'll draw it out. I'll keep you guys um, updated on what's going on in my thoughts. Uh, more details are coming to light about R Kelly's long rumored and now confirmed marriage to late R and B singer Aaliyah while she was a minor. A minister who officiated R. Kelly's illegal marriage to singer Aaliyah told a Brooklyn federal court Wednesday that the nuptials took place in a hotel suite with the pair wearing matching jogging suits. Lord. Okay. Nathan Edmonds, 73, testified that he officiated the 
um, clandestine nuptials as a favor to a friend and did not know who the performers were, according to the Daily Beast. Um, I didn't think it was anybody special, and I didn't understand it at all, Edmund reportedly told jurors at Kelly's sex trafficking trial. The singers both had one leg off their jogging suits, rolled up to the knee during the August 31st, 1994 elopement, which lasted about 10 minutes or less, Edmund said, according to the outlet. Three other men were in the hotel room, one of whom approached the recently ordained minister with a non-disclosure agreement, which made me kind of chuckle, Edmund reportedly testified. It wasn't worth the paper it was printed on, Edmund reportedly told the court, adding that he said that the time at the time the NDA should have been a lot more airtight than that before agreeing not to talk about the wedding. Jurors were reportedly presented with the marriage license naming Edmund as the elder, which erroneously stated that Aaliyah was 18. Uh, prosecutors alleged that Kelly, 54, bribed an Illinois official to get a fake welfare ID after wearing, I mean, after fearing the late singer was pregnant. And the marriage is a, lo- is a part, is a key part of the case as they seek to convict him for, of racketeering, kidnapping, and sexual exploit- exploitation of children. Kelly's former tour manager, Demetrius Smith, told the court last month that defendant's relationship with Aaliyah started after he began mentoring her in the early 90s and produced her debut album, which was Jubi- <laughs> I hate that title, was titled AJ Nothing But a Number, <laughs> according to the outlet. I just thought they were too playful, too, too friendly. He was seducing her, said Smith, adding that the marriage alleviated Kelly's concerns he would go to jail if she was pregnant. It shouldn't have happened. It was wrong, Smith testified. Earlier this week, an accuser named Addie reportedly testified that she was sexually assaulted by the ignition singer just two days after his marriage. The then 17-year-old then attacked... The the, the then 17-year-old said the attack happened after a Miami concert, which she attended in hopes of seeing Aaliyah, according to the Daily Beast. R. Kelly, whose real name is Robert, has pleaded not guilty and decided... Or not guilty and denied allegations of wrongdoing related to his ma- marriage to Aaliyah, who died in a 2001 plane crash. Anyone believing R. Kelly is innocent at this point is willing, willfully ignorant. I agree. Um, but I love this because more and more is coming out. Like I was trying to tell y'all previously, like this man is not um, bright. He is not um, a mob genius or or anything like that. The man told you when he brought the paper, the NDA, like that shit was basically probably written in Sharpie or some shit like that. Like this man doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I think at that particular time he had a lot of, I felt like R. Kelly had to learn through his mistakes about what happened with him. All of his mistake. And this is a lot to process. So excuse me. Um, I think a lot of it, one, I'm processing that I am onto something here and (laughs) I might be right, and they need me in that motherfucking courtroom to bring this nigga to justice. Do you fucking hear me? Like, because I'm on this nigga. Like, I got you, Robert. Like, you're no match for me, girl. Like, bitch, nigga, please. Okay, so I think um, R. Kelly is learning as he went, as sad as it is, sort of just like a, a Rico, like a, a racketeering, um, a, a mobster, but he's not smart enough. So whatever, what was keeping these women silent was money. Uh, I don't believe, which makes me think that the motivation behind all these, uh, 
quote unquote attacks. I I, I don't particularly believe even that that Addie she made the um she had her test she testified that she was attacked after a Miami concert going to see Aaliyah and she ended up being attacked by Robert. I think there has got to be a, like a reality something going on here. Like I do, be, I stand with the accusers. It's not right that he has beaten and made these girls put shit over their face, and that these women are dealing with trauma now, and that they have to live in fear. But there's also, I think, a tr- a unspoken truth that's going on is that these women were willing. For a very long time to be silent. These women chose to be uh, silent, not speak out of fear, because a lot of times people are silent out of fear. Um, a lot, it, which it doesn't matter how long you're silent. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there has to be an honest conversation. This is a side conversation. This is what this show is all about. On paper, our Kelly is wrong, and we stand by these accusers. They are. They should have not had to deal with that. And his money should not have been fading away to hush them up. He should have kept that money in a row. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's delay the cat because you did it. You know, pay the time, pay your pussy bill. You know, but on paper, they are need to be protected. Um, the real conversation, this is a kitchen table conversation that we have here on the Carmine Davis show. If you don't like it, run and hide, you know. But the reality of the conversation is that these women went looking for something from R. Kelly, whether it was a a moment. um, It's R. Kelly. You know, at that time, R. Kelly was, what what group was he in? Um, You know, boom, 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 slow jam. Um, Public announcement. (laughs) When he was with public announcement, he was of public announcement fame. Then he went on and started to get his own fame in the early 90s. And my mind's telling me no. That that's this R. Kelly. You know what I'm saying? So at this particular time, during all these times, there was a sexual thing about R. Kelly that we, all of us, even me, like when I he was my first, I'm gonna be honest, he was my first male celebrity crush that I've ever had growing up. I remember being turned on by R. Kelly, which is disgusting to say out loud now. Not really, but I I should be disgusted. But um, I still think if I, if I did not know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to have to, I can't do nothing but keep it real with y'all. Like y'all are my family. Y'all my friends. I got to keep it real with y'all. If R. Kelly, if I did not know what I knew about R. Kelly and his mentality, I would have let R. Kelly stick his key in my ignition um, until my body broke down. And it probably would have broke down because there's no telling what R. Kelly's um, dick looks like right now. You know, like, if he still has it, it probably fell off um, in the mirror room at his house, you know. But um, I think Robert was a very sexy man and he attracted a lot of women. He didn't do right by them. He, I think a lot of women did more. They, he took it further than a lot of what they were bargained for. Like, I think you're thinking that you're about to get some champagne popping, get your toes licked, get pumped up a real quick and go home and, and get $500 and talk about it with your girls, how you had a wild night with R. Kelly. 
but R. Kelly was introducing these women to a whole completely different sexual lifestyle that sadly, and I'm talking to you gays out here in Atlanta, you bitches live this every day and record it and post it on my Vidster on your OnlyFans. You girls do a lot of this shit that R. Kelly does. I'm not saying it's right. The difference is that this motherfucker is wrong because he's doing it with minors at the time who are children, but they all, mostly all of them are in agreement that they lied to him about their age to get with him, to get backstage there with him, to get him in these positions that R. Kelly's, we know R. Kelly's a freak hoe. Like, you know, so when, why, why would you lie to get to the party, to get to the after party, to get to his room on a tour bus or whatever, to get to his house and pull back? You know, I'm, and I know that's their prerogative. You should, you should. Like, if you decided to change your mind, when he, before he even slides in you, that is your prerogative. But at the same time, we know what R. Kelly is about. And we know he's not, this motherfucker is not faking this shit, this freak shit. Like, this is what R. Kelly does. So it's sort of like sticking your hand in a lion's cage and with, uh, with a stake at the, on the end of it. And wondering why you can't pull back your hand, like why you can't get your hand back. You have, do you know what I'm saying? Like at the same time, like we have to understand the beast that's in this cage right now, or that we're trying to put in a cage. This motherfucker is sick. This motherfucker is nasty. He is a freak. He likes young pussy. And that is what it is. Like regardless of whatever, and he needs to be locked away. He needs to also, there needs to be a mental thing going on. Uh, a mental check with R. Kelly. We need to, we, someone needs to sit this nigga down and talk to him. I remember that whole art, that thing with um, what he did with, uh, what, who was that? It's this interview where he talks about his crush on his mom. Okay, I think I could, I'm going to post it here. Um, it's like a minute Spotify is funny sometimes, so they might remove it. I don't know who owns it. I, I got the audio. I'm going to put it right here after this drop. But listen to it, if you can hear it, and we'll talk. Three creams and six sugars in the coffee. And uh, she would stir it up. Open the Danish. Split it with a little plastic knife. Had this cheap lipstick, and she would taste the coffee to make sure it was uh, sweet enough. And she'd leave the ring of lipstick on the coffee, which she tasted coffee. And I remember when she would give me mine, I would sip from the cup, I would turn it around, and I would drink from her lipstick part. Because in a son-mother way, I had a serious, serious he could sing but all. And uh, I just looked up and down to her. I looked around. I looked everything about my mother. You know, I loved her. And I even asked her to marry me one day. I was like, nah. She said no. But you know what? I understood. Okay, so just in case they blip it out, I don't know who owns it. I can't. I don't know how to reach out. I don't know. But R. Kelly talks about, he's he's relaying about how him he used to have a um 
him and his mom, when she used to take him to McDonald's, she used to, he had such an admiration from her. She could sing. She was such a beautiful woman. And she used to have like this cheap lipstick. So he used to go give her, they used to split, um, they were so poor that they split a coffee and a a Danish at McDonald's. And he would like cut, she would cut it in half. And like she would taste the coffee to make sure that it was sweet enough for both of them. And he would take it and turn it around to the part where her lipstick was on it. And he would lip, like drink from that part and that he had the biggest crush on his mom and that, you know, he looked up to her up and down and he asked her to marry her when he was younger. And he was, she's like, no, you know, boy, bye. And he was like, he understood. Now, a lot of people, if you, if you don't recall the interview, a lot of people, he got a lot of pushback from it because, of course, R. Kelly's saying that he had a crush on his mom. And in reality, I related to him because when I was growing up, I, had, I thought my mom was the most, and I still do think my mom is one of the most beautiful women in the world. You know, I think she is my everything. My mom is... She, when I was, especially when I was a young boy, like I had the biggest love with my mom. I used to dance with my mom. I used to kiss my mom. I used to hug my mom. I would, I slept with my mom in my mom's bed until I was like 12, 13. I'm not going to lie. Like my mom and I were like thick as thieves growing up. And then we just weren't like we broke when I was going through my hormonal phase or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. But I loved my mama. And I guess, you know, you would say, oh, you know, you got a little crush on your mama or, you know, your mama is your everything. So the way he was wording it, I understood what it was like, especially when you roll with your mom. Um, We were raised and my mom, we didn't have a lot of help. We didn't have a lot growing up. And especially when I, I I have a younger brother, but it was me and my mom, you know, and I, I'm kind of emotional about it because I barely think about those times you know, I'm grown now. And I remember those times it was, it was me and my mom. And a lot of the things that I was doing when I was younger, I did to make things easier for my mom. Like I was watching my brother at a, maybe as a younger age than I should have been. I'm going to learn to cook earlier than I should have. Um, I learned to discipline. I looked out for my bro, my brother and I loved my mom. I was very protective and I admired my mother. And so I know what that feels like when it's just you and your mom against the world and you see your mom struggling, but you think she is the wonder. She, my mother was the hero, like how everybody used to have those heroes on TV. My mom was that for me in real life. So yeah, I had, I would, I would love to marry my mama. Like I would, like that was my girl. I think what was weird about what R. Kelly's saying is because we know R. Kelly, but in that in itself, my point in saying all that is that there is a mental thing there. Um, R. Kelly spoke about his mother as if she had passed. And I'm not sure when she died or, um, or not. Damn, Google is good. He died in 19... Her, her mom died in... His, his mom died in 1993. Wow. Wow. My goodness. My goodness, how old was R. Kelly? Let's see. That that would mean that R. Kelly's mom died when she, when he, um, let me do some quick math. Mm, okay, so and then, girl, I just Googled. Okay, I'm not totally sure how old she was, but I'm getting to 
I'm, the point that I'm trying to make of all of this where I'm going is that there is more going on about what's happening with um, R. Kelly than what meets the eye. Jail time, yes. Um, a mental evaluation, hell yes. Okay. So he was really close to his mother, as you heard in the drop. Um, his mother died when he was 93, in 1993. So around the time when he just was starting to take off on his own career and his own, he was in public announcement. Um, apparently there are people who he said there are recounting stories about their, um, their closeness. He always talks about his mother fondly and how he had a great relationship with them. But family members are saying differently. They're saying that R. Kelly, um, his mom, he was he refused to pay his mom's doctor bills. Um, he was not very kind to her, that they used to fight. And he also lied to her about one time there was an incident here. I'm going to put this article in a drop where she told, she was saying on her deathbed to a family member, this is in a book called Solace that was written about R. Kelly where the mom was telling a family member on her deathbed how R. Kelly was just a liar and that one time that he lied and said that gang members jumped him and he got shot by gang members but in reality they she knew that he had tried to kill himself which makes a lot of sense because R. Kelly's past is a brutal one um Lena McLean, um, his high school music teacher, described Kelly's childhood home. It was bare. One table, two chairs. There was no father there. I knew that they didn't have it. They had very little. Kelly grew up in a house full of women um, who he said would act differently when his mother and grandparents were not home. That's interesting. Um, from age 8 to 14, Kelly has sexually uh, was sexually abused. Uh, from the age of 8 to 14, Kelly was sexually abused by an older female family member. Uh, I need to put this shit, my phone on. I don't know how to... The reason why I pause sometimes, I'm reading a lot of these articles on my phone, and I get, like, a lot of notifications and whatever. So if I, if I stammer, that's a lot of the reasons why. Explaining why he never told anyone about his abuse, um, Kelly wrote in his 2012 autobiography, Solar Coaster, which I had no idea was actually a thing. I'm going to read it. That he was too afraid and too ashamed to tell anyone. Uh, around age 10, Kelly was also sexually abused by an older male who was a friend of the family. At age 11, Kelly was shot in the shoulder while riding his bike. The bullet is reportedly still lodged in his shoulder. While Kelly himself stated that he was shot by boys who were attempting to steal his bike a friend a family friend stated that kelly shot himself while attempting suicide lord kelly was eight when he had his first girlfriend lulu um they would hold hands and eat make-believe meals inside the playhouse built from cardboard where they vowed to be boyfriend and girlfriend forever uh, Kelly wrote in his autobiography that their last play date turned tragic when after fighting with some older children over a play area by a creek, Lulu was pushed into the water. A fast-moving current swept her away while she screamed, Rob, his childhood nickname. Shortly thereafter, her lifeless body was found downstream. Kelly calls Lulu his first musical inspiration. 
Mm. My God. See, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't, I'm not, I am not the type of, I am, if, if people know me personally, I am not a very forgiving person. And which is sad. Um, I'm not a very forgiving person, but I am a very logical person. And I cannot help but feel bad for Robert. Um, I feel like me and him had somewhat similar upbringings, except for my mom got us out of the hood. Um, my mom moved us to Mississippi from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, there was a lot of things that my mother protected me from and a lot of things that music and um, art protected me from. I was that type of child who was in my room dancing and, and pretending I was on the VMA stage. You know, I was, I had my headphones on all the time. I was very into my own solitude, imagining and, and, and envisioning another life for myself. So there were a lot of things that were going on around me that I feel were sad and tragic, but music was my escape. And so I understand him to a certain degree. I've never dealt with so much tragedy. Um, this man dealt with all of these things before he was even old enough to drive. So all of that coupled with having such, after having so much heartache as a child, then growing up and having so much notoriety and power, uh, I don't know in between where R. Kelly would have learned to be dark or villainous, especially being so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, even talking, even in that drop you hear, R. Kelly is not a intelligent type of man. Um, he might have been a bad boy, like a lot of bad boys growing up. I was a badass kid, um, but I'm a good person. I didn't know any better. You know, growing up, I, I did not have an outlet until I got into music. There was no one really teaching me to... I don't know, to be myself and that me being me was okay. Um, when I got older and I started taking care of myself, I started to challenge myself to be a better person. And I, I, I don't know if what I'm trying to say, okay, I think I'm going somewhere. Okay, so what I mean is I feel like R. Kelly is traumatized. I feel like R. Kelly is someone who is I don't like I said, I said in previous episodes, I don't think R. Kelly is aware of the things that I feel like he found out later that the things and the way he's living his life is not right because how would he have known the only people who would have been able to tell him were the same people he at the time when he was old enough to uh, 
by the time he was 19, 18 or whatever, he had become R. Kelly from public announcement. So by that time, the only people who had been able to tell him were people in his roadies, people, his friends and all of them that they were, a lot of them was from niggas from the hood too, who had no real, um, had the same uh, mental space that he did, that he has. So who, he had no mother, he had no father, he wasn't close to his family. So who would have been the one to tell him that the way he was living was wrong? The things that he was doing was wrong. One day we all stood together and was like, Robert, these girls know. In a career where you're taught to kind of push what public opinion and whatever people have to say about you to the side, you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck what everybody has to say. You have to keep living your life. There's a certain part of you that you have to keep true to. Um, so R. Kelly probably felt that that was the natural reaction. Fuck y'all. You know, y'all don't know what y'all are talking about. I didn't know she was 14 or whatever. She told me she was 17. I made a mistake. We fucked. It's over. You know, I made her do some freaky things, you know. But my niggas do it, too. My friends do it, too. Everyone around me does it, too. So, therefore, no matter what people tell you outside of your social circle or you, when you're around people who do similar things, you think that that is the way of the world. You think that's what people do. And in the industry, in the recording industry, like I talked about last week, you're around, or the week before, you're around a bunch of people who do the most disgusting things, the downright gross things to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Drugs, sex, violence, anger, death. They kill people and just get it, get a body gone. Like they do all these things, and nobody who's going to tell them that they're wrong. Because everyone around them do the same thing. So I feel like there needs to be a mental evaluation on Robert. And I feel like people need to understand that we are looking at a man who has more than 30, 40 years of shit that he has just polished up. (laughs) Polished shit. R. Kelly is a polished piece of shit. And I think that's the only way I can describe it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Tweet me um, at Carmine Davis, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis, um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about. Like, I feel. Sorry for this man. And I feel. A part of, I felt like we did him dirty. I felt like society has done this man dirty, and I feel like he is a child of the ghetto who made it out, but never, you could take the boy out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of the boy. And then there were, I mean, this motherfucker's from Chicago, like, in the 80s and the 90s, you know what I'm saying? 70s. Like, I, I can't help but feel as though 
he was done wrong. And so he hurt and he continued to hurt people and women and some men. And he sexually violated them because he was sexually violated. It's no excuse. Time is due. You know, he is due time in jail. Um, I think that this is interesting. It makes me so sad. This man was raped three or four times, sexually assaulted three or four times before he was old enough to drive. Um, I'm going to end the show there. Um, I'll talk to y'all next week. Uh, Make sure you guys follow, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. um, And tweet me. Let me know what y'all think. I want some feedback. I want... I need some feedback. Let me know what y'all think. Um, I'll holler at y'all next week. And I'm sorry to kept y'all waiting. God bless y'all. Talk to y'all next week.